Okay, that's enough of that Twitter music. I'm ready to talk about some Hashgraph, HBAR, Hedera stuff, and everything else in between. It has been a really interesting... Maybe interesting's not the word. It's been a really um, wild, let's say, uh, week to watch unfold. Because I think that there's a lot that's kind of come to the surface in ways that we haven't really seen before. And there was a lot of news that I was just kind of getting to today. Like um, I was reading uh, my Twitter feed and just kind of catching a couple messages in some group chats that I was in. Um, and there's a couple things that kind of flew under my radar. And that happens sometimes when things get a little wild, um, kind of in the news cycle. And that's kind of why I gave this episode, this title, Bear on a Unicycle. Just because at this point, you know, we're in this bear market and there's kind of this common, you know, theme, this common conversation of it's it's really tough times for a lot of people. And mostly it's tough times for like creators, NFT projects, builders, community members, startups. Um, and generally that's, you know, the, that, that's who the bear market hits hardest, um, especially, you know, in crypto. Right. And. Now it's like it's spilled over in all new ways, right? We've got major bank failures. We've got the SEC like more aggressive than they ever have been. We've got um, all new different types of opposing forces. Like we've got major financial institutions like wanting to do Bitcoin spot ETFs and everything like that. Um, we've got Coinbase needing to be more vocal now. We're talking way more about regulations. We're seeing so many exciting things happening all over the world. And then in the U S we're seeing innovation somewhat stifled. And it's kind of like, it's just, it feels like a new scale. And to me, it's, it's almost like the craziness of the outside world is starting now in a new way to penetrate, um, the crypto world, because we've always felt like the crypto world is like this isolated, separate, um, kind of, microcosm inside of the broader kind of technology market and, and broader markets. But now so many things are happening in crypto across so many different verticals, like, you know, supply chain or ESG stuff or gaming or all these different types of things. Um, even, you know, the tokenization of like diamonds or real estate. Um, it's it, Things are really starting to almost like blur together and mesh together a little bit. And recently... It's been tough to distinguish if the information I'm reading is like crypto related or if it's traditional finance related. And it's there's really starting to be a, a bigger gray area. And that's difficult, right? I mean, for a long time, it's it's really been kind of two camps with the financial crisis in 2008. You, you saw it fracture into two camps, right? The new world versus the current way of doing things, right? Crypto versus traditional finance. And those, I think that those worlds are starting to push together a little bit. And it's really uncomfortable and weird and strange. 
Um, and it's, and, and it's unknown what's, what's going to be, um, the product of that, like what things are going to look like. Um, because as much, it, as much as we were bummed out that crypto again, was a little bit isolated from the larger world, you know, this is what that maybe looks like a little bit. It, you know, if we want to get mass adoption, if we want to get this exposure, that comes with its own set of problems. Um, and it's just something I'm, I'm watching and you, you, you zoom back into just the crypto world and this bear market, give it a unicycle. Um, and that's just the image that kind of popped into my brain. I was sitting around on Thursday, usually when I kind of put out the, the link to the spaces and kind of get things rolling for the week. And it was just like, I was thinking bear market. I mean, that's all, you know, I talk about just that aspect so much with different projects I work with. It's almost like talking about the weather. You know, you get into a call or a meeting and you're like, oh, you know, that weather's been crazy. You know, it's been a lot of weather lately. You know, and it's the same thing. It's like, oh, that bear market, you know, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's getting us good. Throw that on a unicycle, guys, because we're, we're, we're off to a wild ride. And we're live on Twitter spaces with another week in Hashgraph to unpack. Let's dive into the news and rumors mega thread on Twitter and see what's going on. See what we're going to talk about today. We got a lot to talk about today. I think it's just me today, to be honest. I'd be upfront with you guys at the start of the show and anyone listening to the recording on the, you know, Spotify and Apple Music. It's just me today. I mean, if there's uh, anyone interesting that tunes in on the Twitter Spaces, maybe I'll bring them up. And have them chat if there's something you know interesting to talk about. But otherwise, I got a lot on my mind. There's a lot that's been happening, and I'm not going to be around next week because I'm getting married. So I got to try to pack in some stuff. And I have a feeling that um, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and see a bunch of headlines and go, "Oh my god!" If I just push the show back 24 hours, right? So next week getting married. Uh, I got a lot of really kind, nice words from people in the community about that. So really appreciate it. Um, so yeah, this is my, this is my last podcast as an unmarried man. Here we go. And it's just me this episode. Like I said, what are we talking about? We're talking about neuron, which is a OG of OG use cases. There's a good history. I want, we talked about it on previous episodes, but we'll kind of loop things back. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, I'm going to reflect on my conversation with, uh, Sham from IBM, who is a, Sham is a, uh, governing board member for Hedera. So not just on the governing council, I interviewed him, um, had a good discussion, a couple thoughts on that, but I mean, most people have listened to it. Um, little, uh, article there. Oh yeah. Got some MasterCard stuff. David from FSCO, um, tweeted out something interesting. Grab my attention. Um, we got a bunch of breadcrumbs. Uh, PayPal filed a patent that mentioned HBAR, so I'll have a couple thoughts on that. Another patent was filed by Lehman Baird, which is interesting. Uh, we got some hash pack stuff. Christian Hasker made a, an interesting tweet. I asked people what's going on at NFT.com. Um, turns out not much. Um, got some soccer stuff, got some 
oh geotagging stuff. This one, this this was really cool. We'll we'll we'll, we'll uh, look at that in a minute. Um, a new social media platform being built on Hedera. Uh, oh, there is the uh, the uh, DLT Science Foundation kickoff event. Some cool stuff to talk about there. Uh, what else we got going on? Do, 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 do. Oh yeah, then there's that SE. There's the letter that Brett McDowell wrote to the SEC on Hedera's behalf. That's a that's a really really interesting one to unpack. Um, I think maybe we'll do it first. I don't know. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, asked people about MIO and TPS. Like I mean, we got a lot going on. It's great. And with that, good evening from Ottawa, Canada, everyone. My name is Brandon Davenport, and I'm a creative developer, musician, and founder of my creative firm, Dirksen and Davenport, Inc., helping artists, businesses, and startups in the Hedera ecosystem. And like all of you, I'm a Hashgraph enthusiast. It is Sunday, July 2nd. Sunday, July 2nd. Uh, and welcome to Hashgraph News and Rumors, episode 82, Bear on a Unicycle. This is a weekly show where we cover the top stories related to Hedera, HBAR, and everything in between. Broadcast live on Twitter Spaces every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Not next week, remember? Not not next week, but the week after. Uh, and it's made available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts and YouTube every Monday. Get all the info you need about the show and listen to past episodes at itsbrandond.com slash HBAR. If you're listening now, check out the Twitter thread pinned to the top of the spaces to take a deeper dive into each story. Also, everyone listening live right now, take a moment, share the spaces, let your friends know you're listening. The more, the merrier. Let's grow the show. You can also click the little comment button at the bottom right of the spaces to ask a question or share something interesting that listeners might like to know, and I'm going to talk about it. So let me know. Uh, we got something there now. Oh, uh, someone's sharing a sauce Enu or something or some different coins. I don't know. Check it out. They got some info about coins, I guess, or shout out. I don't know. Leave a comment uh, and, and uh, anything interesting and I'll talk about it with folks. I was just checking to see if someone posted it's I don't know. I don't know what it's about. Um, and the show continues to grow from hundreds of listeners to thousands across all platforms. And that's because of you guys tuning in every week. Awesome guests giving their time to the show. And supporters sending some HBAR here and there. Um, if you're interested in becoming a supporter of the show, please consider making an HBAR contribution. Helps me continually add value to the Hashgraph community. It keeps the show ad-free. You can send a donation to enthusiast.hbar using your Adara wallet. The full HBAR address can be found in the Twitter thread pants at the top. Brought to you by listeners like you. So, let's just dive into it. The SEC um, is... Being a little difficult. They're as was it the it was I think it was the I'm gonna butcher this, but it was a chief legal counsel for Hedera, I believe. Um anyway, someone to that effect within Hedera that was in charge of legal stuff. Oh, I think it might have been the HBAR Foundation. Anyways, they said effectively what Gary Gensler's doing and the SEC is kind of putting their fingers in their ears and going, la 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 la, I'm not gonna listen to you. And there was something else that happened on, looks like it was June 13th. Um, the letter is from Brett McDowell, chair of Hedera Hashgraph, and it's addressed to Vanessa Countryman, secretary of the U.S. Security and Exchange Commission, 
um, and the letter is dated June 13th, 2023. And this is a letter, right, sent effectively, you know, by Hedera to the SEC talking about something very specific. And I don't want to speculate too much on this. There's, It's like, it's a big kind of letter. It's very kind of legalese and stuff like that. And I just wanted to kind of go over some key points of it. Um, and then that way, at least we're all kind of aware of it. Knowledge is power, right? So the subject of the letter is the proposed amendments to the Exchange Act Rule 3B16 regarding the definition of exchange. So basically, Brett is writing to the SEC saying, listen, the way you guys are defining what an exchange is or the word exchange is going to cause a lot of problems. And one of the key things this can cause problems for is for network validators. And as we all know, community nodes on the Hedera roadmap have been kind of pushed back and pushed back. And this letter may offer us some insight into why that's the case. So basically, you know, Brett goes over what the Hedera network is and what the council is, what it does, um, and talks about HBAR, what its purpose is. And he says, the, the Hedera network uses a proof of stake security model which is an increasingly popular and environmentally sustainable method of securing a distributed public ledger. And the letter expresses significant concerns with the proposed amendments to Exchange Act Rule 3B16. And the concerns are as follows. And again, this is kind of like targeting a specific element of this. The proposed amendment does not yet reasonably define the regulated actors or the scope of liable actors for activities on a DLT network. The proposed amendment inadvertently extends liability for securities activities to underlying infrastructure providers, such as DLT network validators. The proposed amendment does not yet offer a reasonable or defined path to registration and compliance with the rules. So right there, those three points, basically what that means is that the way that some of the wording is defined in in, in this um uh, the, the the rule 3B16 from the SEC is essentially making it so a community node on Hedera would be liable for the transactions running through it, which is which is so weird. And really, you, you think about that and you go, it sounds kind of ridiculous. That can't be the case. But it shows kind of how out of the loop a lot of regulators are in some of these uh, institutions, right? It makes things really, really difficult. Um, so that's something tough about that. And it goes on um, to say just some some points pulled from this is, Hedera strongly believes that if validators of peer-to-peer -peer networks that support smart contracts are required to assume liability for activities on the network and be subject to regulation without clear and defined process for compliance, Validators will no longer be able to operate or offer services to the United States. So that also is a very interesting point, right? It's about a validator being to serve the United States. And effectively, if this type of shenanigan continues, effectively a network like Hedera, and again, this would affect all networks, would have to basically have a different set of I guess, node requirements or compliance requirements for nodes that serve the U.S. So again, it just creates another layer and barrier to entry, which is the opposite that we want to do. Uh, goes on to a couple other points. 
The proposed amendment will deny U.S. citizens the pivotal benefits of the technology and push away high-value technology jobs and expertise to other jurisdictions. Hedera encourages the Commission to reduce the scope of the definition of exchange, the word exchange, and clarify with precision and in compliance with their legislative authority any regulated entities under the rule. So basically, again, it just goes down to the SEC not being clear or defined or in, in these types of rulings and, and type of inf information being put out there and really makes it seem like they're like super incompetent. So that's a, that's a very difficult thing to navigate. Now I've kind of shared my thoughts a little bit. What are the thoughts of the community on this? Well, Tom B on Twitter says at the end of the day, this outlines and underscores how much regulators do not understand this technology, but it also shows me that DLTs as an industry need to explain things to regulators in even more simplified language. Very true. And we've seen Hedera make a lot of effort in kind of bridging those gaps and um, trying to have a seat at the table. I think every network is trying to do this in some capacity, but it seems to be a, a very substantial headwind. Um, Range C7591 on Reddit says, hmm, very interesting read. Seems like this is the primary cause for the delay of nodes. If individual nodes operators could be liable for the transactions they process, then yes, that is a major roadblock. So that's an interesting point as well. Um, and then, uh, not going to pronounce the name, but uh, their username K-I-K-A-I-O-H says on Twitter, it's interesting, or sorry, on Reddit, it's interesting how the letter avoids mentioning cryptocurrency directly, referring to HBAR as a digital asset for accessing network services instead. And that was really interesting. And that's a great insight to this username. I can't pronounce whoever you are. Shout out. Um, that's really interesting that that's a, that's a interesting observation that in the letter really going, you know, Brett going out of his way to distance the cryptocurrency narrative and instead you know, specifically referring to HBAR as a digital asset for accessing network services. It, you know, it's, it just, again, speaks to Hedera's ultra conservative approach um, when it comes to these types of things. And I mean, we heard uh, Christian Hasker um, from Swirls talking about how he'd have to ask a lawyer if he wanted to go to the bathroom at Hedera, right? So they clearly run a tight ship. Is that good or bad? We don't know, but I mean, in this kind of environment, got to be some benefit to that. So clearly, um, this flew under my radar. This SEC letter flew under my radar straight up. Didn't even pick up on it, right? Um, what else we got going on? Um, the TPS in the network. Let me check this out real quick. Um, Hedera Transactions. So we're rocking at about 75 transactions per second right now. Let me go on the Metrica dashboard. Let me see what's going on here. So we're averaging, yeah, we're averaging 73.64 transactions per second. We got a maximum TPS of 266, right? So that's over the last 24 hours. So, you know, we've been used to consistently, you know, a thousand transactions per second, right? And... There's a few key points here, right? I'll just, I'll, I'll give folks the facts. So one one thing to keep in mind is 
99% of the transactions moving through the mainnet are from the Atma.io use case from Avery Dennison. Avery Dennison is a Hedera Governing Council member. And the transactions and the, the payments for those transactions for that use case are subsidized by the HBAR Foundation. So that's, that's the way that is. The other piece to this is what we learned um, uh, the episode after we covered the attack on the mainnet on March 9th. We learned that Avery Dennison, on their end, um, have kind of an internal throttle to send a consistent, even amount of transactions to the mainnet that they can effectively turn up and down. That's why when the mainnet came back online after the attack, those um, blocked up transactions didn't just flood to the mainnet. It was just a steady stream slightly increased. Uh, because people were always wondering, why are the transactions sent to the mainnet so even and consistent? It's because on the the end of AMIO, they have their own kind of throttling system. So that's something we learned through that attack that the network experienced March 9th. And then the other thing is, why then do we have these breaks in TPS from the AMIO use case that are sudden and regular and that... Um, correspond with the funding of various mainnet accounts, right? It's worth noting right now the the mainnet account that is used to pay for these transactions for this use case, there's about 6 million HBAR in there now, <clears throat> which is, you know, plenty. I believe that's from the HBAR Foundation. And if we look over the last, let's say, um, six months, we have this regular pattern, again, with this one particular use case, wherein um, we had our initial step function, right, mid-January, where we went up to 550 TPS, and we were kind of riding and going up and down here and there, right? And then we had a sudden drop-off March 10th to pretty much nothing, and then picked back up to 750 transactions. So that was interesting, right? Then we had a sudden drop-off at the end of March, down to about 140 transactions per second. And then a couple days later, boom, we're back up right where we left off. Um, and that's that. Um, and we had some other drop-offs here and there. And what we understood was each time that we had those drop-offs and this use case came back online, it came back with a higher TPS count. It, it was almost as if Avery Dennison had been doing upgrades or had been expanding this use case or, you know, whatever way you want to look at it. And now we have a drop-off, right? We were operating at about 1,300 TPS per second, very consistently. And we now have a drop-off down to 74 transactions per second. Um, and again, it makes us wonder, what does it look like when things come back online? Uh, because we know that, it, that things will come back online, but what will they look like when they do? Um, and I wanted to share a few of the community's thoughts on the Atma TPS uh, situation. And again, this is no cause for alarm. I want to illustrate that this is regular behavior, behavior for the mainnet, um, that yes, the mainnet is... Uh, largely processing transactions from one use case. And yeah, the transactions from that one use case is one particular uh, type of transaction that generates a low amount of revenue. Um, so this is one of many use cases coming online. But 
with that, you get extra volatility. It's like buying a stock for one company versus, um, you know, a, a fund that contains thousands of stocks. It's the same different type of thing. Um, so we have more volatility in TPS on the mainnet. And here's some thoughts from the community. Um, JK on Twitter says, it was down for a full week at the end of February and again for five days at the end of March. So it's been down longer or as long at least twice before. And that is worth noting. And we chatted about that just a couple minutes ago is yes, again, this is a pattern that we've seen before. It's no, there's a reason that people aren't kind of ringing the alarm bells. Um, but again, it's, it's worth talking about just because it's such a huge top of mind aspect for so many people. And we haven't been at double digit TPS since end of March. Um, common bruh on Twitter says could be from the, from quarter two, 2023 ending and that they need to update their accounting takes a, taking a long weekend because of Canada day and the 4th of July. They also could take a brief break on Father's Day as well <laughs> with a laughing emoji, but increase the TPS. So that's a great point as well. Like we're talking about regular business and where we're at right now is the 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 end of an, of quarter two and the beginning of quarter three. It's the end and beginning of a lot of fiscal years for companies. Um, and it's also a holiday weekend. So it also could be the case that just some regular old school web one business stuff is coming into play as well. People just aren't at the office, right? It could be that simple. Um, now, this is the most important insight is Justin Atwell, um, who is um, head of sustainability at Hedera, um, said, all is good as far as I know. Jesus rested on Sunday. Maybe Atma does too, with two laughing emojis. So that got me. Um, so I think that again, this is always, anytime something weird or strange happens or a pattern is broken, it's an opportunity to learn about this network. I find that when things are operating as a business as usual, it's really difficult to understand how a new technology like Hashgraph works. But when there's an irregularity, when something strange happens, when something breaks, that's really an opportunity to understand what's going on because the conversation um, gets much more intense and much more technology focused. So it's a great time to do that. And a good example of that was, again, the attack on March 9th. Um, that span of, you know, four or five days was a window of time where we all learned so much about the network and how it operates and how the governing council makes decisions. So just a, just a note, I keep that in the back of my mind when stuff like this happens. Um, Ubisoft, governing council member, and I'm going to say it here. They're the biggest bummer governing council member ever. They, 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 I don't know how many meetings they attend. I don't think they attend very many governing council member meetings. They're, they kind of suck at web three. Um, and they're, you know, I, I, I just think that they're definitely one of the weakest governing council members. I don't know what else to say. Um, I mean, it's important to have a governing council member, the gaming vertical, to round out the governing council for sure. But how much they bring to the table, I know that they are, are they affiliated with Outlier Ventures? Um, let me see here, Ubisoft, Outlier Ventures. Is that them? Or are they partnered with Outlier Ventures? I don't know. 
Anyways, I'm trying. I'm trying desperately to think of something that Ubisoft has done um, for Web three and and Hedera and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. There's really not a lot of information, right? Because they haven't been to a ton of governing council meetings, and they've just released a game, uh, their first ever Web three game uh, called Champions Tactics: Grimoire Chronicles which will be released on the Oasis blockchain spelled O-A-S-Y-S, not to be confused with other networks that are called Oasis and spelled differently. Now, there's some important aspects to this. So again, as much as I rag on, on Ubisoft, and again, if anyone at Ubisoft wants to be on the show, hit me up. I'd love to chat. The thing is, is they have... A difficult past with Web3. This isn't really their first foray into Web3. They tried it with NFTs on Tezos, which didn't go well. And I don't think that they have, like, I don't, I don't think Ubisoft has an actual strategy for Web3. It doesn't come across that way. But there's interesting elements to the story. And it's about Oasis blockchain. So um, Oasis is a blockchain established in February 2022, backed by multiple companies, including Bandai Namco, Sega, Ubisoft, and Square Enix, right? These are heavy hitters of the gaming industry. Not all the heavy hitters, but these are heavy hitters of the gaming industry. It is marketed as a specialist blockchain for games. So this is a similar to Hedera being created as an enterprise product. This other network is an, a product, is a gaming product, right? It's, it's designed for gaming use cases. Um, so this game, Champions Tactics, Grimoire Chronicles, is described as a PFP tactical RPG experimental game. Well, that's a mouthful. It is currently in development for PC. Ubisoft's previous attempts with blockchain, specifically its NFT platform, Quartz, were criticized by French trade union Solidarities and Formique, which represented Ubisoft Paris employees. Despite the lack of success with Ubisoft courts and international pushback from staff, or sorry, internal pushback from staff, Ubisoft CEO Ives stated that the company was continuing to explore, quote, all the Web3 capabilities, whatever that means. Other gaming companies that are validators for Oasis have also been involved with NFTs, blockchain, or Web3 previously. For instance, Square Enix announced Symbiogenics, a unique, a quote, unique experience in a, quote, virtual turn-based adventure, and sold Final Fantasy VII NFTs as part of its game's 20th, 5th anniversary celebration. So, again, this is something we're going to see. Companies get together. They develop a network to serve their purposes. This is the exact same thing that Hedera did, right? Companies got together, and they now govern and run a network that serves enterprise purposes. This is what's happening in Web3. And I think the difference here is understanding that the Hashgraph technology is, is not only better suited for gaming, but also in more general, every other possible business use case. But the problem again is it's not just about, it's not a tech, it's not the best technology that will win. The technology that will win will be good enough. That's all we know. And it sounds like that this Oasis blockchain um, designed for gaming is a great product and clearly some juggernauts are involved in it and it should have our attention. And I hope that um, 
internally on the governing council, some conversations are had um, about what this means for Hedera and the gaming vertical, because, you know, the HBAR Foundation and Hedera themselves and Swirls, heck, even Lehman, talk about gaming so much and how it's not only just, it doesn't have just as much growth potential as um, DeFi does short term, but potentially more. So if there is a network out there eating market share of Hedera, um, that's a very interesting story to watch and one that I'm definitely going to watch. Now, I wanted to share some uh, insights from the from the subreddit community. Um, and I mean, also worth another shout out on the show today, Perfect Ability, who I usually have to do the Reddit report. He's not around. Um, he's busy today. Um, so and I think he's having issues with Twitter or something. I mean, he's not having issues with Twitter right now. Um, but shout out to him. I'm sharing some insights from Reddit because that's got to be done. The Reddit, the the Hashgraph and Hedera um, subreddit community is awesome. I mean, Reddit, there's another platform, right? That's uh, that's having troubles. Anyways, let's get back to Ubisoft. The Reddit discussion criticized Ubisoft's approach to NFTs and blockchain, describing it as unfocused and lacking a clear strategy. I agree with that. Users suggest that Ubisoft's attempts at gaining traction within the NFT space have been largely unsuccessful, likening to their approach to, quote, throw enough mud at the wall strategy. Users suggest that Ubisoft's involvement with Hedera may not be beneficial due to their perceived weak strategy and management. So I, I can agree with that. And now there's some really interesting points here. Users mentioned that Hedera has established a vetting process to onboard committed members, implying that this might prevent similar situations in the future. Users hope that Ubisoft was the last, quote, weak signing for Hedera and suggests that Hedera, as a startup, had to be more accepting of prospective members in its early stages. Users believe that Hedera has learned from its experiences and is now more discerning about its relationship, citing Kofra as a good example of this change. And I mean, we've heard this over and over again. We just talked about Brent McDowell writing that letter to the SEC. That's something he's talked about is we're... we're slowing down on the rate of governing council members coming in. We're focusing on which uh, of them are building use cases. And the amount of governing council members on the council right now is sufficient. So it definitely sounds like, um, you know, definitely over the last six to nine months, a massive shift has been made in regards to how the membership committee and just in general, Hedera looks at and the governing council looks at new members and would a, a prospective governing council member like Ubisoft make it to the governing council today? I honestly don't think so. I do think that there's been a substantial shift. And another thing is they talk about having a healthy pipeline of 30 potential governing council members. And um, with things moving this slowly, it seems like it might be a situation where half of those don't make it or more. So... Um, this shows the need for a tighter vetting process. Seems like they're, you know, implementing one. Um, and uh, Ubisoft, uh, bummer, dude. Uh, but I mean, Oasis Blockchain sounds cool. Like we talked about on the last episode. We can look at this as a problem, right? We can go, oh my God, there is a new gaming uh, industry focused DLT product that all of these major gaming studios are using. Um, Hedera is much better. Why is one of our own governing council members using this new product in favor 
of the product that Hedera offers, what's going on, right? We can look at it as a problem or like we learned last episode talking about ordinals, we can look at this and go, this is maybe an opportunity. It sounds like there's something interesting happening here and there's some value here. And is there a way for something like Hashgraph to amplify that value and push that industry further and make the Web3 mass adoption wave in gaming happen faster, um, growing the pie versus trying to keep everyone else's slice smaller. So I'm trying to look at things that way as well. I, I could have very easily years ago looked at this and gone, oh man, you know, another competitor to Adara, right? I think a lot of us could have, but I think that now it's important to look at situations like this and go, there's some momentum there. Right. And we know that Hashgraph is a great technology that could probably accelerate what they're doing in some way. And it might be up to us to find out what that is, because the goal here is mass adoption. Um, so tapping into any momentum that we can would be good. Um, and I'll, 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 I'll play devil's advocate here for a second. Right. So one of Hedera governing council members is utilizing this type of product. Maybe there, maybe there are useful insights that can be gathered from this, right? It's not like Ubisoft is not invested in Hedera as a network and does not have any conviction in it, right? It may be the case that they're bringing insights and, and building bridges between um, this Oasis blockchain and Hedera. Who knows? But a big story, I think, on a lot of people's minds, and rightfully so. Let's go to some good news. Let's let's do something fun. Um, Hashpack just released um, a couple new features, two of which I'm really excited about. Um, well, actually, three of which I'm excited about. One is themes, right? So you can do some themes in your Hashpack, which is cool. And I, I mean, it's cut. It's not really newsworthy, but I mean, I wanted to bring it up just because I like to use Hashpack as an example, where um, at the same time that they're publishing like a very laborious audit that they've been through. They're also like putting out new themes, working that kind of things from that both side, from both sides. So I can, I can, I can respect and appreciate that. Um, the other thing too is um, they have a new incognito mode. And this is really helpful for creators because, you know, if most of you are familiar, you'll take screenshots of your wallet when you're either trying to show something off or, explain something to somebody or whatever it is. And you always have to blur out your account number and your balance and whatever else you might have, whatever else you might need to blur out. So you flip a switch in a hash pack and it kind of blurs out those things or, or censors those things for you. So cool little incognito mode feature. The other thing they added was profile pictures, right? So um, you have your name, you have your profile picture and your profile picture can be one of your NFTs. And um, as far as I understand, uh, a cool use of those is when you're doing trades with people like via secure trade, it'll show that respective user's profile picture. So that's kind of cool. It brings, um, uh, I won't say a social aspect, but kind of a connectivity type aspect. So it's not just account numbers that you're seeing. You'll, you'll be able to recognize um, these folks. So kind of cool. It's a vibe. I, I dig it. Shout out to Hashpack, a nice little palette cleanser. Um, so let's move into something interesting here. I want to talk about MasterCard. I want to talk about Neuron. I want to talk about some stuff the HBAR Bull talked about. we got a bunch of other news to talk about. This is the last episode until, um, you know, what, what, when's that, when will the next episode be after this? This is the last episode until the 16th. So take a moment now, share the spaces, um, 
you know, the more the merrier. Let's get some more folks in here. Also, if you can think of any interesting news or things to talk about, hit that little comment button on the bottom right of the spaces if you're listening on Twitter. And, uh, you know, let me know what's going on because I want to cover as much as I can today before I sign off. Now, MasterCard. This is a really interesting one that we genuinely don't have a lot of details about. It's highly speculative. This is something I do want to speculate on. This is something I do want to kind of get into a little bit here because um, there is a little bit to get into here. And the best way to um, head this off is I had a great interview last week on Monday with Sham from IBM. Now, he's an executive partner at IBM for Web3. Um, IBM is on the governing council, as you all know, and Sham is actually one of the elected uh, board of directors for um, the Hedera governing council. So big wig, right? And and uh, basically, my my uh, the interview with him was was interesting. I mean, I do get the sense, and I bring this up a lot. Um, and again, I have so much respect for for uh, Sham and everybody on the governing council. Um. I, I had someone say to me, they were like, Brandon, like, I love the questions you, you were asking. And I mean, credit goes out to, uh, King Solomon and, and Genfinity, um, really kind of crafting a lot of those topics, um, allowing me to kind of do a bunch of research in the right areas and, and, and get my questions together, but they really like the questions. And I think the problem is, is that right now, somebody like me, and when I say someone like me, I say, I, you know, I'm just a Hedera Hashgraph enthusiast, uh, HBAR community member, builder, developer, person working in Web3 in the Hedera ecosystem. I'm one of the community members, right? And someone like Sham is on the other side at Hedera being kind of at the top of that organization. Um, in my conversation with him, I got the feeling that I described quite a bit, which is the enterprise um, Hedera Swirls HBAR Foundation kind of world over here. And then the community world on the other side, um, there are all these kinds of, it's, it feels like these two separate worlds, right? And, and again, Hedera is about shared worlds and it's about decentralization, but it's a journey. And the journey starts, unfortunately, with these two worlds kind of separated and needing to come together. And there's all sorts of different ways that we see this, right? Like there's, no, there's not enough transparency um, in regards to the actual, what the, what the real roadmap is at Hedera, right? We see what's on the website. We don't actually know what the real roadmap is for good reasons, I'm sure. Um, we don't know everything that's talked about. <clears throat> the community has limited ways in which we can participate in the governance ourselves. Um, mostly it's, you know, we can do hips and stuff like that, but the amount of influence that we have with somebody like Google or Boeing or Kofra is limited, right? And it's kind of these two separate worlds. I think that the best part, the the most positive thing that I've seen is folks like Rob Allen, right? Who started as a, who I've had on the show and who's just an awesome human being, started as a, you know, HBAR investor, Hedera community member, right? In Telegram and stuff. Um, and as most know, ended up on the governing council through FPOS and then moved to the HBAR Foundation and has now arrived at the Hashgraph Association. Um, we also have a bunch, like we have other folks that that help out the HBAR Foundation, like Zepsi, right? 
we have um, Christian Hasker, right? And and we have these people that are very close to the top that do make the actual, real, genuine effort to not only connect with the community and share information, but actually use the products that their efforts have built, right? Actually eat the fruits of their labor, right? Christian Hasker uses Hashpack. He buys NFTs. He does these things. And to me, you know, when I look at just the general thing of the governing council and the, all of these other people, it's that's not the case, you know? They probably don't use Zeus Market. They probably don't have Hashpack. They probably haven't bought any NFTs. And again, these are kind of dumb, right? These are kind of dumb things in, in the big scheme of things. We're talking about regulation, the SEC, the end of Web3 as we know it, the future of tokenization, the fourth industrial revolution, the, uh, you know, all these huge things. And, and why would it be important for someone like Sham to have like an NFT from the Hedera ecosystem? And to me, again, it comes back to the core values of what Hedera is, is it's about shared worlds. And it's not just about bringing worlds together. It's actually sharing those worlds together um, and participating in those worlds as trivial as it might seem. I think that those things can truly have an impact. Um, and I think that it's amazing to me that someone like Sham would like chat with someone in this context in my position as just a community member, it's kind of, it, it is kind of insane. And and think about that, right? I'm a guy on Twitter that's excited about this kind of technology. And there is a major fortune, you know, 50 corporation that's on a governing board for that uh, technology. And they're like, yeah, I'll, I'll hop into Twitter spaces with you. And, you know, for, you know, there's maybe 50 or hundred people listening and, it's a it's a pretty grounded conversation, a pretty organic conversation. And that's amazing. Like I will say that that's amazing. And I think the most important takeaway for me from that conversation was I did feel that distance, right? Um, but i I think that's just the way it is. Um, I think that that's just how this starts. Lehman talks about the fact that it's a pathway to decentralization, right? You have to start out a little centralized and get more decentralized further on instead of what we've seen in other networks, which is um, getting, uh, you know, more centralized as time goes on. And, you know, I, I'd encourage anyone to just go back and listen to that interview because, I mean, I'm not going to dive into all the details, but I just wanted to share the feeling I got from it and also express um, I know that the that the folks at um, you know on the governing council these you know corporate suits right get a lot of flack from the community and rightfully so I think that um, there's a lot of work to do I'm the first one to say that um, but I will say that someone like Sean hopping on a Twitter Spaces and having a chat just with a regular old community member live, right? Most importantly, live, right? Not a pre-recorded thing, like live conversation. Um, kind of blows my mind. I have so much respect for that. Um, any Anything else aside, 
I hope that that continues. And um, I've been having some great conversations and I hope that very soon I'll be having more types of conversation. I'll be having more conversations like that with more folks like that regularly going forward this year. Um, I hope that some things fall into place. I hope that the Hashgraph enthusiasts uh, brand grows. This show is continuing to thrive um, and a lot of good stuff. But why am I talking about Sean? Why am I going on about all of this? I mean, Sean, cheers. You're awesome. He he added me on LinkedIn too, which is dope. So, I mean, awesome guy. Appreciate you, Sean. Shout out. Let's, I, I don't want you to think that, the, you know, this is like a bummer vibe. I want to chat with you guys. Let's stay in touch. Governing council, peace and love. Just being real, right? Why am I talking about this? So MasterCard, I have this tweet pop up on my feed. Um from David at FSCO, the CEO of FSCO, Fresh Supply, um, and his use case, which will be using Hedera or is using Hedera. We don't quite know exactly what to what extent it's live right now. Um, actually, shout out to that guy. I mean, he's not on the governing council or anything, but you know, CEO of a major corporation, and he's right in the Hedera community. So massive shout out to David. Had him on the show previously. Please come on the show again. I want to you know bug you about stuff. I'm very interested to see what you're working on. But um, he puts out a tweet, right? And the tweet is sharing a link to like a press article um, that talks about a new offering from MasterCard that is a multi-token network and that offers enterprise solutions for supply chain stuff. And it's very interesting and it definitely applies to his use case for sure. But... In my conversation with Sean from IBM, um, there's this sense of how far-reaching IBM is and and the lack of visibility around that. I hope that in the interview, I got to shine a little more of a light on that, but there's so many different things that IBM is doing. You know, Currently, a vast majority of financial transactions in, in the US currently run through IBM mainframes, um, right? IBM... Uh, co-authored the white paper for the Hedera consensus service. IBM led the initial investment rounds for Hedera. So IBM goes deep. IBM goes deep. And I think about their blockchain product, right? IBM blockchain. And it's very similar to this new MasterCard uh, product that's coming out right? IBM blockchain, MasterCard blockchain. These are kind of maybe feel like competitors, but what's interesting is if we go turn the clock back and we, and, and how we learned about David and FSCO was his use case was originally using a product from MasterCard called MasterCard Providence, which was very similar to IBM blockchain, arguably a competitor to it. Was it the fact that IBM was leveraging Hashgraph for their blockchain? The reason that MasterCard's Providence product didn't win out. Was it that direct of a competition? We don't know. IBM and MasterCard have collaborated in the past on various things. Is IBM involved in any capacity with this new MasterCard um, product? Because it is worth noting the article, the materials available for this MasterCard network um, don't mention Hedera. But, big but here, on the tweet from David, he tags Hedera in the tweet. So again, 
multi-token network from MasterCard. Um, somebody who talks about MasterCard quite a bit, David, you know, sharing this news, tagging Hedera, being clear that this is not Hedera specific. It's not, it, 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 this is a chain agnostic um, product. Um, it's very, very interesting. Now, uh, there's a couple other interesting things from here. Um, the, the last time I had David on my show, this was, we ha we were having a conversation about FSCO using Hedera for the food supply chain, right? Tracking these food supply chain items. And that's a big use case. We're talking about transactions happening for food orders, food being combined into different project products, tracking all of that, lots of transactions, lots of money, all sorts of different things. Uh, that use case is going to have a large impact on the network. So we were talking about that, and this was before we know everything we do now. But on that show, when I had him as a guest, he said to me, um, there's something else as well. This is half of the story. And I can't talk about the other half. And that was really interesting to me because I was going, well, what's the other half? And my brain was at the time going, the only other character in this story is MasterCard. And the only reason they're a character is because you're no longer using their product because they discontinued it. And it was very, very interesting to me. And it wasn't until I really thought about my interview with, with Sham from IBM. And that's when it kind of clicked. And I, and I got another little piece, which was I shared a video clip of this on Twitter that I think everyone enjoyed, which was I was asking Sham about, um, you know, what does the future of the Hedera network look like? And he says, well, trust is where it all starts, right? Because very often with other networks, it's an area that they're lacking in governance, right? And he says, we have a governing body of 29 and, you know, hopefully 30 soon governing council members, blah, 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 blah. And I remember in the spaces, there were those um, surprised emojis popping up on every PFP. I started to get DMs from people because, again, I'm interviewing this guy live um, and I get you know, people have like brilliant questions I should ask. Spoiler, they're all horrible. And I was, I just, I, I, I DM'd King Solomon as I, as we were in the space together interviewing. I'm like, did he just say this? Like, what does that mean? Because again, this isn't just a governing council member. This is a guy on the board for Adair. And he's like, you know, we got 29 now, you know, 30 soon, hopefully. And, and, and you just, when you read between the lines, there's clearly, you know, something close in the pipeline. And, you know, we are going to get another governing council member soon. That's just a fact. But just that guy saying that, I was like, interesting. And, th and that went into the pot of breadcrumb rumor soup in my brain, sloshing around with all this information, right? And I start to go, new governing council member, new potential use case. Is MasterCard going to interface with this? Is FSCO going to be, um, you know, utilizing all these different types of technology? And it's just my brain's going in. 
I my brain naturally goes to do we see MasterCard as a governing council member? Like, do we go there? It's it's crazy, right? The fact that the Hedera governing council model was um, inspired by the founder of Visa, right? Which is hilarious. If MasterCard were to become the first governing council member of that um, of that ilk, you know, it's like that would be hilarious. But it's not crazy. There's a lot of connective tissue there. Um, and again, it's like, I hope that I laid out a lot of those elements and kind of what I'm thinking about and some possible conclusions. It's clear that MasterCard has a product that, that may interface with Hedera. And it's clear that a potential user of that FSCO, the CEO of that um, use case is kind of hinting that Hedera might be involved in all these different types of things. So it's interesting. It gets my brain going. I like diving into the rumor and speculation, all those different types of things. Again, that's all this is. It's just a couple events that happened paired with some news and paired with some kind of loose confirmations of what could be going on. And it's an exciting story to follow. We're due for a governing council member. We're due to see FSCO go live and find out what the second half of that story is that David was hinting at when I had him on the show last. Who is that 30th governing council member that Sham at IBM says is going to be coming soon? And why is it so goddamn hot in my office right now? My God, my AC unit in my house is just like struggling right now with the weather. The weather's nuts. All I'm seeing on Twitter right now is people just struggling with weather. Really? I mean, we're all we're all in, in it together. Um, let's let's uh let's switch gears here. Um let's talk about neuron. So Neuron is probably one of the use cases I'm most excited about, but it's unfortunate because they came in early and their original use case years ago on Hedera um, is solving the problem of drones not being able to fly freely in, in this airspace because there's so many things flying around that can't crash into each other. And the ways in which we track those Vehicles flying around is so fragmented, different transmitters, different receivers, different sensors, it doesn't work together. And so Neuron wanted to be a kind of IoT type company, an Internet of Things company, um, standardizing these different types of things, leveraging Hedera to bring all of it together, um, create a synchronized airspace, if you will, um, with billions of transactions, and we can finally have our July 4th stakes delivered to our backyard via a drone. And that was exciting. And then it was kind of nothing. Like we went dark. We didn't really hear from them. Back on episode 77 of the show, um, I was talking about their use case again because some news came out. And this was the news. I just want to kind of refresh everybody. So Neuron has pivoted to an Internet of Things layer that brings discovery, connectivity, and settlement to devices. Um, they're tackling aviation first. Many of the problems that need to be solved here apply to many other places. So they're playing an interesting game because the use case for aviation that they're working on is involving the NHS and the Royal Mail. They want to use Neuron to deliver things to the small islands off the shore of Cornwall. And Neuron will set up sensor networks, partner with drone partners, and set up delivery service for the NHS and Royal Mail. And this development 
is working with regulators in a sandbox environment in the aviation space. So basically, they're doing this development without VC pressure, right, for a year um, that's funded. And what they're going to be discovering and building will be directly applicable to being a general um, IoT trust layer for all sorts of things. And this is what's really interesting. So they're going to broaden their scope or currently broadening their scope outside of aviation and leveraging Hedera to compete with helium, right? So that's that was the big news when we talked about this was helium is getting a new competitor and that new competitor will be using Hedera and they're called Neuron. Um, they've discovered helium has a supply demand issue. So the, main, the core issue with the helium network is those devices were designed to run in these these kinds of um, disconnected rural areas, developing areas to create this network, the helium network. And it turns out that most of this is being done in areas with actually really great connections. So a lot of these devices are being replaced for more high bandwidth devices. Um, so there's a supply demand issue essentially with helium. Um, and basically, this is what Neuron wants to do is they want to enter this space. They put out a new kind of like teaser video that kind of talks about this type of stuff. It's really interesting. It's fascinating. It's a use case that's truly an OG use case for Hedera and fascinating from the beginning. But it's also a use case that's changed completely and pivoted completely. Right down, they even got a new logo and brand. So... This is an ex an especially exciting use case to watch unfold, um, and I highly encourage people to watch it unfold for those reasons. So, um, they've got some new tweets as well. Um, they tweeted on June thirtieth, "quote There will be twenty four million public EV chargers by twenty thirty. Currently, two point five million. Each charger will be competing an average of three charges per, or sorry, each charger will be completing." an average of three charges per day at $12 per charge. That's over 800 charges per second, $10,000 per second in a single use case. Um, they're making these tweets, Neuron is making these tweets to highlight the vastness of what being a, an IoT trust layer means and the advantage that they have leveraging Hedera. Again, an, an incredibly exciting use case. Another tweet from June 30th, quote, the NASDAQ have just confirmed they will be sponsoring the Web3 Investor Day we are showcasing at in Chicago on the 20th of July. The clever money knows, dot, dot, dot. So they're on being very cheeky here. They're making big moves. They're backed by, um, you know, government development. They've got big stuff on the roadmap. Um, and they've been developing on Hedera for years. So ones to watch. And they got a cool logo now. It's a squiggle. Like it's literally just a squiggle, guys. It is great. It's a little N. Um, and it's it's great. It's it's fun. It's cool. I like the squiggle logo. Um, now, I want to talk a, a, a bit. Let me look at where I am in my notes here. How, how much have we got? Because I like to do the heavy stories up front, guys. I like to take care of the heavy lifting up front so we can just kind of vibe it for the rest of the show. 
Um, okay, so the H Bar Bull put out his episode on Friday. I talk about these episodes every week. I have to say, like, the that show that Brandon does keeps getting better and better. Huge shout out to him. I think one of the best things that he's done is having the um, shark bite segment with Rob Allen. Because again, ta I talked about Rob Allen earlier and just the importance that he, the role that he plays in the Hedera community. So great to have that. But anyways, on the show, there was a couple great segments. So one of the segments was he chatted with Ed Marquez from Swirls about the chat GPT stuff. Last week we were chatting about it. I mean, it was funny because um, it's a simple plugin. Like you tell chat GPT like, What's the balance of this account? What's the balance of a balance of that account? Like it's it's a really simple plugin, and I, it felt a little weird because Ed published an article on the Hedera blog about it, or on the guise of kind of like, "Hey, here's how to build a Chat GPT plugin that that connects to Hedera," and it was just kind of this fun article. And a couple of days go by, and then it gets picked up by the news that Hedera. Um, is integrated with ChatGPT. And it was very fascinating to watch that unfold because it truly didn't feel planned. Like, it just shows kind of how uncalculated Hedera was on this, that that article was put out, and then this kind of stuff comes out about it. Now, you could argue that, oh, Hedera or Swirls or whomever paid influencers or did a press push about this or whatever. I genuinely don't think that was the case. I think that literally... The crypto world saw Hedera, ChatGPT, and went, oh my God, like bullish. Like, you know, these buzzwords really get people. Like, an integration means a partnership, a this means a that, it gloms on. So it was funny because after those headlines came out, then Ed, Ed Marquez actually got the Hedera plugin added to the official ChatGPT plugin store. Hedera started talking about it more. And it was clear that they were like, oh, this is something we should talk about. It was a little bit of a, a public relations learning experience almost. Um, and there were some interesting things that Ed said, and, and I love this. So he said, new features are coming to this little chat GPT plugin, such as token info, so information about a particular token, network level activity, such as, you know, number of TPS, how many NFTs have been minted in the last seven days, et cetera. Um, and just more improvements as things go on. And even further from that, the community took Ed's guide and built their own chat GPT plugins and stuff. Um, they tried to make it clear it wasn't a partnership in the kind of interview that Ed was doing with the H bar bowl. It, it was like very like, this isn't a partnership. We're not partnering with, you know, OpenAI or chat GPT. Like, it's very clear that this is kind of surprising. Um, and it does seem like it's a serious effort for an integration, like in, in the in the standard fashion of Hedera, like, um, you know, substance over hype. It does feel like how I, you know, I think how they saw this playing out was Ed puts out a fun little guide, a developer tidbit of how to make a GPT plugin that uses Hedera and publish that and make it a useful product for people in the Hedera community to use. And it got picked up and it's a different thing now. But it does feel like this is still a serious um, integration. It's a serious effort for an integration to have a robust plugin for ChatGPT for anybody to talk to the mainnet and find out what's going on, which is incredibly exciting. Um, and 
Ed says that now folks will be able to fully leverage AI because we have things like integrity, immutability, and trustless value exchanges. If you pair these with systems that make smart decisions and continually operate on their own, that's powerful. So there is a vision behind it too, which I appreciate. Um, and, you know, Zepsi also noted like, hey, buzzwords get clicks. Hedera is leaning into it a little bit. There's honestly like nothing hugely, you know, there's nothing hugely wrong with that. Rob Allen was on the show. Um, and one second, I'm just going to mute myself while I open up my next uh, soda water. I'm having a uh, LaCroix or LaCroix, however you pronounce it. Uh, beach plum. Uh, it's a it's a delicious flavor. Not sponsoring the show, just to be clear. Just a genuinely delicious beverage. Um, Rob Allen got asked the question, what's going on with ANZ Bank? Why did they choose Ethereum for their RBA CBDC pilots? Did we lose Nigel? So if everyone's familiar, you know, Rob Allen knows Nigel. Nigel is, um, you know, at ANZ Bank. And ANZ Bank is heavily involved in all sorts of different initiatives, especially the um, the Australian Payments Plus system and like all those, we don't have time, we don't have time to go into all that, but there's a, there's a bunch going on and it would be really sad to lose ANZ or Nigel. So are we losing him? So uh, I'll read out quote from Rob Allen. This is the best I could quote of myself. I was taking notes uh, while I was making coffee, watching the HBAR Bull show. So to the effect, Rob Allen said something to the effect of, quote, we're not losing Nigel. I've known him for a long time. They have their own pace. They've gone with beta carbon on Ethereum for their use case. And this is the most important part here, guys. This is the most important nugget here that applies to so much of the stuff we talk about. I, I want to repeat this. If we had a production guardian-based project live tokenizing carbon credits in Australia, it would have been a different conversation with ANZ Bank. So, rephrasing that, um, all of these use cases that we see that we wish we're using Hedera, the case is if there was a use case in their current business that was doing what they want to do, the conversation would be different and the outcome would likely be different. But Hedera is a beta network that is just emerging and penetrating these specific markets. And there aren't a lot of examples and a lot of these initiatives at these major organizations and entities are years already into their advancement. They may have been working on this for years already. So that's a huge insight there. But he goes on to continue, quote, conversations continue for a range of use cases. Remember that ANZ and other institutional banks in Australia are owners of FPOS or Australia Payments Plus. So they're closely involved in some of the exciting quote, stealth mode initiatives we're doing with Australian Payments Plus. So that was the key insight from Rob is um, a lot of talk about ANZ and blah, 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 all these different types of things. What I took from that was critically important for a use case to be live in a particular industry for that product to be attractive for players in that industry. But it's a catch-22. How do you get the first one? And I think that Hedera might have figured it out because we do have Atma.io. So there are things happening. So we'll see how things go. Um, also, we got some insights regarding um, Health Ready 
um, which leverages MetaMask snaps. So there's a focus on rare diseases and rare forms of diseases and allowing patients to share their clinical data to be found and participate in studies. There's like, again, it, it's common to the ESG space where there's this supply demand issue with um, the demand for carbon credits and the available, the available supply. It's the same problem that's being solved here where it's like we have people that have these rare diseases or rare forms of diseases and there's so much value in those people being able to share their information and allow that to be matched with very highly specific clinical studies that need those people. And again, it's about matching these types of things through these DLT technologies. So they're using um, a MetaMask Snap, which is a new product from MetaMask, which it basically allows you to, it's like an extension for the wallet, essentially. Um, people that have these types of diseases are the least likely to be found or to know about these trials or studies. Um, and this is an accelerator for patients and researchers. If you go to a hospital and through your journey, you get asked the same questions over and over and over again because they're trying to verify errors. Sound familiar? I mean, this is what we talk about with Hedera, where it's like a, you have this uh, provenance-based trustless network where you can rely on the data being presented to you as is correct. So you have a lot of different things, and, and a lot of these institutions operate on this kind of dirty data that has to constantly be corrected. And you don't really know when to check your client records or how to correct them. So um, health ready is a very fascinating use case that I'm that I'm watching, um, kind of s related to Acor, right, with Jim Nasser, and it's a very interesting use case. It's something that spoke to me. Um, it's not a problem that I really understood very well, but clearly a lot of value there. So huge shout out to uh, health ready. Um, what else is going on? Um, DLT Science Foundation had their kickoff event. Um, I shared uh, on the mega Twitter thread that um, they uh, there's also a partnership with Dovu. Um, and it says on a plaque at the event, through Hedera-based tokens in the Dovu platform, we're proudly offsetting this event's carbon footprint in an audible, transparent manner. So um, this DLT Science Foundation kickoff event was pretty vibing. I mean, you have 300 applicants to work using Hedera to this foundation that's, again, comprised of leading universities and um, UCL that is famous for doing a lot of those initial Hedera studies for how green it is and stuff. Uh, so you have a lot of that. And in their pipeline, they've got those 300 students, the foundation does, and 40 new institutions. So there's this whole other side to this where it's this educational science-based aspect to the Hedera ecosystem through the DLT Science Foundation with these with these different things. It feels the same kind of as like the enterprise focus, but on the other side, the very complementary side. Um, so I, I dig that big time. Um, so shout out to the DLT Science Foundation. Sounds like you had a, a kick-ass kickoff event. Um, good, good stuff. Now, Let's dive into a couple other things here. Um, there is a um, patent that was issued by PayPal that references HBAR, and this was published by, King, or sorry, shared by King Solomon, um, who spotted this. Uh, and it's a patent for utilization of biometrics 
in creation of secure key or digital signatures. So obviously, um, you know, oh, what's this? The HBAR bull is uh, trying to, uh, oh, he's saying, what is he talking about? The HBAR bull is just responding to one of my tweets right now. Um, but, 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 oh, he's talking about the slowdown in TPS on the mainnet. Um, I'll just mention what he said. Um, he said, uh, this is the HBAR bull responding in real time to stuff we're talking about on the show. He says, um, I think he meant to say, yep, but he said, hep, Brandon, good topic. We've seen a few slowdowns like the one we're seeing now. Again, we're talking about the TPS, but look at the trend. Pretty impressive, especially when you couple it with a ramp up on testnet. I'm not concerned in the least, and I have feelings we're about to break some records. So HBAR bull, feeling pretty bullish um, uh, on this episode of Hashgraph News and Rumors, bear on a unicycle. So I have to agree. I mean, we talked about the patterns on the show just uh, you know a little while ago here, and it's true. I mean, every time that MIO kind of ramps things down and brings things back online, there is a measurable increase in TPS. So yeah, uh, it's not out of the question that we will see a rise in TPS when Atma comes back online, which is yeah, super exciting. Uh, but back to PayPal and this patent. So in the patent, uh, it says, quote, while a vast majority of crypto wallet applications are used to store cryptocurrencies, example, HBAR, Ethereum, Bitcoin, dot, 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 the software can also store digital keys to fungible and non-fungible digital tokens, NFTs, representing goods, financial assets, securities, and services. So backing up here, the topic of this patent is, again, utilization of biometrics in creation of secure digital key or digital signature. So this is about PayPal wanting to open up wallets, essentially. Um, but Strangely, they misspell the word Ethereum, um, so that's maybe something to know. Um, but again, Hedera, PayPal patent, uh, I, I'm not going to complain. There's another patent that was filed um, in regards to the distributed data, or sorry, so let, here's the title from this patent. So let me open this up here. So this was shared to the community subreddit. It's a patent filed by Hedera Hashgraph on behalf of Lehman Baird. I believe this is related to DREC, right? His his uh, efforts for decentralized recovery and decentralized custody. We've talked about that at length on the show. Go back and listen to previous episodes. I'm not going to dive into it right now. But this patent, I feel, is related to that. Now, let's, let's, uh, let, let's take a look at this. So I'm just going to read the abstract for the patent. And if you're if you know what I'm talking about with DRAC, check this out. Okay, so here's the abstract. Quote In some embodiments, an apparatus having at least a portion of a first instance of a distributed database at a first compute device is configured to be included within a group of compute devices that implement via a network operatively coupled to the group of compute devices the distributed database. Uh, if that's not confusing, you're not alone. The distributed database enables anonymous transfers of digital assets between compute devices via a transfer protocol such that an identity of a compute device associated with a private key corresponding to a public key logically related to a destination record is concealed among a set of compute devices including 
the first compute device and at least one second compute device. So in that uh, spaghetti of patent language, essentially what it is is you got a secret and you want to share that secret around. Um, and that sounds a little bit like what DREC is. And the title of this patent is Methods and Apparatus for a distributed database, including anonymous entries. So interesting, right? Patent number 11677550. Um, Lehman's listed on it. So um, very interesting. Um, and I think that this shows some serious progression with the DREC initiative. So just wanted to highlight that. Don't need to go too deep into it. Uh, what else we got going on? Christian Hasker tweeted out, quote, watching a presentation by Bamboo Meta, I am really excited about the future of consumer engagement and loyalty that they are building on Hedera. The ROI they are showing from their early customers is impressive. So clearly Christian's seeing a use case. We know of Bamboo Meta because they were involved in the Hedera house at Davos, where they partnered with Dovu to offset the carbon for that event. So that was cool. Um, What's going on at NFT.com? Uh, I don't know. So I asked the community and I'll give a brief synopsis. I mean, it's not good. Um, if folks are not familiar with NFT.com, and I, again, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I just, we haven't talked about it at all, but it is worth just, just bringing people's attention to it. NFT.com is a multi-network uh, marketplace, aggregator, profile, social platform thing, uh, spearheaded by Jordan Freed, previously head of business development at Hedera, um, and exited Hedera to take on this new endeavor. Um, mm -hmm. There were NFTs of keys, uh, Genesis keys, that were minted on Ethereum, and those keys were used to unlock profiles, which would be nft.com slash whatever. And the the big thing that holds all this together is Jordan Freed bought the domain nft.com years ago for a lot of money, probably like a million dollars. So there's that. Now the NFTs were minted. Um, all of this stuff is going, we're also too worth mentioning that Jordan Freed is also at Immutable Holdings. Um, which holds a lot of HBAR, and he has a lot of HBAR that he's been selling. So there's that as well. And I get Jordan's um, vision, right? I get it that there isn't a lot of liquidity on Hedera. If you're going to start a Web3 endeavor, especially in the NFT vertical, you're going to want to be chain agnostic. So nothing against Ethereum NFTs, nothing against the strategy. But it's that it's like that quote from uh who said this? Mike Tyson. Everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. And I think this bear market hit a lot of people. I think that NFT.com was poising themselves to be the next kind of like Utes, or not Utes, or um uh um DeFi labs or um, D God's Labs or, or, you know, Board 8 Yacht Club or one of these big kind of like ape coin, you know, they're, you know, FTCom wanted to have a DAO and like all this kind of stuff. I think they really wanted to achieve those, those heights and they 
entered in a strong headwind with this bear market. And I think that it was a morale suck. Um, and to be frank, I didn't really initially understand what their vision was. I didn't really understand what exact real problem they were solving. I didn't invest in the initiative and I, I honestly didn't pay attention to it. And it's only recently this week that kind of frustrations were brought to my attention by the community and it's, they're fair things. And I'm not here to, you know, speak negatively of Jordan Freed or NFT.com, but like, honestly, some of the stuff that I've been seeing, you know, I listened to the town hall that they had in discord. I've been seeing some of the public communications. I've, I've wound back the clock on some recent events with NFT.com. And it just, you know, to me, if NFT.com didn't really care about folks who minted these keys, would they be doing anything differently? I don't know. Um, the I, it just it it definitely feels like they're just annoyed by their investors. Essentially, the people that are holders are making their job more difficult. Um, and some of the things that they're doing aren't very well thought out, um, not very transparent. And I'd give it uh, an F if they were if they were in school. Um, I'd give them an F. If I was a teacher, I'd give them an F. So, <laughs> man, I sound like such a bummer, man. Um, but it is a bummer, like. It feels like access, like this is millions of dollars of liquidity, right? And a lot of folks from the HBAR community invested in these. A lot of um, prominent NFT projects in Hedera aligned themselves with the NFT.com brand and factored in this product and platform into their strategy for their project. Um, so it's tough, you know, it, it's, it's, it's super tough. And I think that, it's time for the folks at NFT.com and Jordan Free to get real and understand that, um, you know, you have to start actually being transparent. You know, votes on a Discord aren't a DAO, right? Um, what actual product has been shipped and what actual value has been introduced into the ecosystem. Um, I'm struggling to find that and just calling it how it is. But again, everybody got hit by this bear market. Don't want to, don't want to, uh, you know, speak poorly about anybody in particular or anything like that. It's just highlighting that. Yeah. You, I think a ball is being dropped here, a couple, you know? So I encourage NFT.com to take a closer look at their strategy and maybe not do what they're doing. Shout out to Milan, a.k.a. Hedera Dev, on Twitter. He completed for a hackathon a new use case called Geotap, which are these little doodads that you stick um, on somewhere, at a place, and with your smartphone... You hold it up to this, and with NFC technology, you prove that you're at a location with effectively an NFT drop. 
and you're prevented from doing it a second time. So that's kind of cool. He published a video demo of actually using it. Um, and it's cool. It gets you really gets you thinking about possible use cases and all those different types of things. So check it out. It's very cool. It's a vibe. Um, there's a new social media platform launching on Hedera called Legion um, that talks about all the things that we've heard before, similar to Galaxy, similar to another one where, um, you know, it really what it comes down to is I think with these different, and again, nothing against Legion, but it's like really um, these social media platforms that we're seeing struggle right now, like our advertising companies, right? It's not just about building another social media company. Um, you're really like building a new type of business model. We're watching that happen now. And the business models they're being created are not as good as the current advertising business model of Twitter, Facebook, you know, uh, Reddit. And I think that once that code is cracked, um, that's going to be the turning point. So, cause you have to capture the, the attention of advertisers, right? If, if you have Twitter and Reddit and these different types of platforms crumble in their current form, eventually you have a huge amount of advertisers looking for something to grab onto and you have to have a platform that, that does that. So anyways, just some thoughts on that. And I mean, shout out to Legion because this is another startup building on Hedera trying to solve this problem. Their website looks groovy um, and it's a vibe. So shout out. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, Carmel Cadet, CEO of EM Tech, tweeted, quote, full disclosure, I don't hold any HBARs um, or don't have any exclusivity. Uh, we can work on any protocol we want. That makes sense. But I just want to take a moment to send kudos um, to Swirls Labs and building a great layer one protocol, blah, blah. So this is Carmel Cadet emphasizing, she said this before, that she doesn't hold HBAR, which makes sense in her perspective because if she were to be holding HBAR and approaching governments about CBDC use cases, they would just be a, a non-starter for those folks to be like, oh, you own HBAR in this network you're trying to use? And she said this before, so that's not the news. Also, not all of these CBDC projects running through EM Tech will leverage Hedera. They're going to be using other types of technologies as well. So that's worth mentioning. I don't think there's a ton of news here. I think that it's just understanding that, again, a lot of these projects that we see building on Hedera, you know, they're going to be chain agnostic to some extent. Um, and we're going to see a bunch of other things going on. So um, now... That was a lot of news. Um, is there anything else that we missed? Um, any shout outs, any cool things, any stuff that we missed? I think we did pretty well today, to be honest. Oh, I mean, also too, um, Zepsi tweeted out about the use case with Cora and Sphero World. Um, he tweets out, quote, oh, nothing to see here. Just Quora, the number one Arabic language website uh, backing Hedera, just the premier Arabic sports site with 18 million visitors per month. If you know how big the UAE are going to be in sports, you know how big this could be. So the same as we've seen with Karate Combat, it does seem that there's other moves being made in sports um, in other places globally. So that's exciting to see. Um, see if there's anything else here that we didn't touch on. Oh, Expector. 
we've seen that around. We have a metaverse platform. They've integrated Hedera, uh, which is great to see just in the last couple of days. So um, Expector's kind of been expanding more into the Hedera ecosystem. So shout out to those guys. Um, and you know what? That's another week behind us and another week ahead. A huge shout out to everyone listening live on the Twitter spaces right now. Another shout out to everyone listening to the recording on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And an extra shout out to everyone making a donation to the show. If you have a moment, give the show a rating and review on your favorite platform. It helps a lot. Um, getting a, a report in just now. Um, the HBAR Suite public launches this week. As far as I was concerned, I thought that um, now is that the HBAR Suite or DAX? Um, because when I had um, when I had possible teas from HBAR Suite on the show a couple of weeks ago, he mentioned that it would be going public in in a few different waves, corresponding with holders of various HBAR Suite or Shibar NFTs. Um, and then a full public release may not happen until August or October. So maybe fact check me on that. But I mean, um, you know, in general, it sounds like the HBAR suite uh, launch is happening soon. So just reporting on that um, news wire that we just received here at the Hashgraph Enthusiast uh, reporting room here. So bear on a unicycle. Um, definitely feels like a bit of a circus right now. For sure. It's a bear market. We're all excited about a bunch of stuff. Um, I'm seeing some people tune in right now, some fresh faces. I mean, literally I'm winding down the show now. So um just be prepared. You're not you're you're you've missed the boat. The make sure to tune into the recording. I love you all. Thank you for stopping by. Just hang in there and you know, you can listen to the full show in a minute here. Um, but yeah, I mean, with this bear market that's been going on seeming, you know, 40 years feels like. Um you know, I think that it's hit everybody hard. We've talked about that, but it's definitely expanded in scope. I think this is one of the most wide ranging bear markets in crypto that we've seen just because of how not only it's affecting the broader economic world, but also how much the economic world is affecting the crypto world this time around. They, there's more of a gray area being formed. This is the Venn diagram, right? Is getting tighter and tighter between traditional finance and decentralized finance. And I think that the the bears there and the unicycle is some exciting stuff happening. Like you also have to admit that there's some there is some exciting stuff happening. And it's true through history, right? When we have when we have industries under macro house fires, right? Like the dot-com bubble and all these different types of things and the financial crisis in 2008 and all these different uh, events. Um, and even like if you got a smaller scale, like previous bear markets that have happened in crypto, those are truly the times where the innovation happens, right? That's where the magic uh, exists. In music, you know, sometimes it's about the space in between the notes a little bit. That make it all happen. If it was just all noise, you know, there'd be nothing to dance to. And this is just the way things go. Like that's literally it. You breathe in and you breathe out. 
You need both. Um, let's put this bear on a unicycle. Let's have some fun. Like one thing that I love from last week was talking about the ordinals community and changing our perspective. And instead of looking at the ordinals network and going, oh, this is garbage from a technological um, and governance standpoint, it's not scalable. It's not attainable. It's, it sucks. Right. And writing it off instead doing what some people in the Hedera community are doing and going, wow, like there's hundreds of millions of dollars flowing through this network and it's bringing value to people and people are having fun. And we've got this free, um, effectively layer two called a hash graph that is the trust layer for networks. And I got a trust, I got a network that needs a trust layer right in front of me. Let's check it out. Let's have some fun. Let's dive in. Let's accelerate it. It's the same thing as this Ubisoft story about them building a Web3 game on the Oasis network. It's like, well, that sucks, but like that's a network that's being um, championed by major players in the gaming ecosystem. Is there a way for that to be accelerated? Um, so I think that's kind of what it's all about, right? Um, so let's have some fun in the bear market. Let's look for opportunities and Understand that problems are what just happens. You can't get away from them. And most likely there are opportunities. Um, and it's how you're going to thrive in a bull market. Uh, because the one thing that we know is a lot of these problems don't go away when a bull market kicks in. And the people that are going to have those solutions are the ones that survive. And thank you for tuning into Hashgraph News and Rumors episode 82, Bear on a Unicycle, broadcast live on Twitter Spaces every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and made available on all major podcast platforms on Monday. That includes Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, reminder, I'm not going to be live um, next Sunday because I'm getting married. Um, appreciate all the kind wishes and everyone from the community. Um, and I'll see you guys again on the 16th. Um, so get all the info you need about the show and listen to past episodes at itsbrandond.com slash hbar. Uh, and I, I usually plug the Hashgraph Enthusiast Twitter community, but like whatever. I mean, Twitter's jacked right now. I'm actually thinking of starting a, like a newsletter or something like outside of Twitter for the Hashgraph Enthusiast thing. I put out a vote. It's got a couple hundred votes so far on Twitter, whether I should do it or not. It's not clear cut, guys. I mean, it's like, pretty contentious people for some reason don't want me to start a newsletter i think maybe people are afraid that i'm going to stop doing the show or something really i've just been trying to figure out something to do with all my show notes like i write pages and pages of notes and ideas for each episode and they kind of just get thrown in an archive and i'm like well man i should you know put this in a newsletter or something so we'll see um if you'd like to become a supporter of the show feel free to send an hbar contribution to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet. The full HBAR address can be found in the show notes. Um, and I appreciate everyone tuning in, showing support, um, and sharing the show. And I'll see you live on Twitter Spaces on the 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. For everyone listening live now, I'm going to do what I always do. If you see somebody with a profile picture that you don't recognize down there, tap them, give them a follow, send them a message, ask them what they're working on. You're listening to my show. You already have something in common. Get connected. And if you see someone you do know, right, and maybe haven't spoken in a while, 
Hit them up right now. Ask them what's new. I guarantee you they got something new going on. And with that, hello future, goodbye past.